You are listening to Staff Meal, the world's first podcast about staff meals. Welcome to this episode of Staff Meal Podcast. Um, yeah, my guests today are Daisy Merrick. She is the owner of Soma Wines, a Berlin-based um, wine import business um, focused exclusively on natural wines. And my other guest is Paul Knittel. He works with um, Viniculture. Um, it's uh, yeah, quite a big wine import business and wine shop in Berlin. Um, they also have like a big focus on natural wines, but not exclusively. And yeah, early on when like the whole COVID-19 thing started, um, somehow my focus like immediately went on all the farmers, all the suppliers and all the winemakers who collaborate with restaurants because a closed restaurant basically means um, there is no need for supplies. So I'm uh, very happy that I had the chance to talk today to two people um, who work as wine importers um, because I think it's interesting like to see her perspective, their perspective of... Um, what this actually means for them, like for their everyday business, how they operate, but also because they have like the direct connection to the winemakers. Uh, and what's going on right now, like is really a domino effect. Uh, you just like have to look at the menu of a restaurant and yeah, there, there is a wine list. And yeah, at the end of the wine list, there is a wine importer. There is sometimes a distributor, like the logistics company, but yeah, there's like the family that makes the wine and, especially with natural wines it's usually like really small family-run businesses um the matter of the fact is that actually daisy is right now um stuck in france staying with one of um, the winemakers um, that she's working with so she can provide us uh, and you with some interesting insights um yeah i also had like some sort of learning curve with this podcast um What I learned is you really have to make sure how much memory space your laptop is carrying because if you don't make sure uh, how much capacity there is, um, the thing that happens is that while you're recording a podcast, at some point there's like a pop-up window that says you're run out of memory space and I basically stop recording um, the podcast. So long story short, you will miss the last two questions um, I was able to discuss with Daisy and Paul, but I will give you a little bit of a summary at the end of the podcast. Um, so now I shut up. Um, please enjoy my conversation with Paul and Daisy and please follow Staff Meal Podcast on Instagram. It's Staff Meal Podcast. And since we're talking about Instagram, please also follow Soma Wines on Instagram and also follow Viniculture. And, um, yeah, even if I today only talk um, with Daisy and Paul, there are many wine importers out there, like especially here in Berlin. Um, there's Rocket Wine, there's Marco from Cantina Santambreus. Um, just make sure that you buy your wine, not at the supermarket, but at your local wine shop. Um, while listening to this podcast, you will learn why this is... Um, more important than ever. And now, finally, enjoy my conversation with Daisy and Paul. You are listening to Staff Meal, the world's first podcast about staff meals. Welcome to 
welcome to my welcome to my podcast, Daisy Merrick from Soma Wines and Paul Knittel from Vini Couture. Um, Thank you. Daisy, you are right now stuck in France. How did that happen? Yeah, I'm stuck in Alsace. It's a disaster. Um, uh, well, I came here to visit uh, yeah, Philip Brandt, who I'm representing in Germany. And then there was the do I go back or do I stay situation with the borders. So I decided to stay and I've been here two months almost now, which is crazy. Is your French improving? No. <laughs> No, I really hoped I would have the time to learn another language, but that's not possible. People have been saying that during the during this virus staying at home quarantine situation that they can do all the things they never had time to do, but I definitely don't have the time. Well, but you spend a lot of time winemaking right now. Yeah, winemaking and also just still running Soma from... from basically running Soma out of Berlin, but being in France. Yeah, we, we talk later a little bit more about how this feels. Um, Paul, you are right now at the shop at Viniculture. Um, yeah. So can you explain what your role at Viniculture is in normal times? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag though. Um, I'm mostly in charge of running the web shop for Viniculture. Um, which means I write the copy for social media, I take most of the pictures for social media, I write the descriptions of the wineries and the wines for our online shop um, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I also have a couple of restaurants, client, restaurant clients that I work with in Berlin. Um, I work a lot in the shop in Charlottenburg as well and yeah so it's a bit, bit of everything but uh, mostly the web shop, especially now. Hmm. So you mentioned that you work a lot with restaurants. Also, Daisy, I know that you have a lot of B2B business going on. Um, yeah. How much have your everyday business changed since like COVID-19 became a thing? Maybe, maybe let's start with Paul and then go, go back to Daisy. Sure. Um, well, okay. So usually, um, the major part of our business is working with restaurants. Um, we mostly work with restaurants here in Berlin, but also in the rest of Germany and some other countries. Um, and it's a major part of what we do. So um, because all the restaurants closed, we obviously couldn't uh, work with them anymore. Nobody's buying wines uh, or was buying wines anyway. Um, and our normal work completely changed. So it moved from mostly B2B to now almost exclusively B2C. We work with a lot more with uh, private uh, customers now. People can't go to restaurants to drink. So I guess people drink more at home. So uh, we definitely noticed that there were more people buying wines privately from us now, mm -hmm. especially online. Um, but for almost everybody in the team that meant that their roles completely changed because i don't know we have two drivers that usually deliver wines to restaurants uh, we have people that usually only work uh, with restaurant clients uh, handling um, the orders that come in or making recommendations sales whatever 
mm. so they completely had to change their work habits mm. um daisy so since paul is like one part of a bigger company you are basically a, a one woman show at soma wine <laughs> um, apart from the fact that you're stuck in other in Alsace at the winery, what happened to your everyday life um, with the wine business in the last couple of weeks? How do you operate right now? Yeah, so I definitely, I'm a one, one woman show with the help of, of Darcy, who is running the, all the operations for me in, in Berlin, which I would not be able to operate anything if he wasn't there actually operating all the logistics stuff for me. But um, yeah, like when the virus really kicked off, it was one day I just received emails all day cancelling everything. And um, yeah, like basically your whole world just changed changed in, in a few hours. And um, yeah, it was then, okay, I, I lost all of the restaurants that I was delivering to, which is my main, um, my main, the main people that I sell to. So it was more focus on, on website, uh, website sales, online sales. And last month actually was really good. I think actually last month was the best month um, for me with the online shop. Um, so that was really also beautiful touching at the same time because I had people who I'd met over the my my time with Soma and and in Berlin just people who were buying and supporting and that's the whole thing of this community growing together and just knowing that I am small so there's people who want to still support so, so you can save people like me so that was really you know you're juggling like the 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 crap with the good Mm. Are we allowed to swear on the podcast? <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned the community aspect. Like also, this is a question for for the two of you because um, both of you you're kind of like very active on social media, also in supporting others, right? Like supporting small restaurants, supporting whatever people who do cold pressed juices, basically everything that's available. Um, And it also works the other way around. So there's quite a lot of support for, for you guys. Um, was that some sort of surprise, how strong this community in Berlin is? Uh, surprise, not really, I guess. Um, I think in, in Berlin, there it, it always feels like a fairly tight-knit net. Um, most people we work with, we're friends with too. Mm. Um, and you stay in touch on a regular basis, you talk regularly, so it wasn't really surprising how that, that those people were there and that they cared, but um, it was just really great to see that you could depend on people in a situation like that. Um, and I think that's sort of the, the big part that was a surprise for me, that it wasn't everybody for themselves. and um i don't know sort of that the friendship part for a while definitely was much more important than uh just the individual business i feel mm -hmm. yeah and i i i agree i i i think i don't think it was a surprise at all because like paul said i think everyone is pretty tight in in berlin but um 
I'd say what's what was really what was really beautiful just how also you just continue to maintain the friendships um and 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 checking up on on how people are doing and sending them messages to see if how how if they're fine and if they're coping because also for me uh, being in another country i somehow feel disconnected that i'm not able to just go and buy a chicken sandwich from from barra or go and buy some freshly pressed juice from bttr and support my friends who also have these these businesses that that are struggling and um yeah when when germany was um offering support for small businesses with financial support for small businesses that was really like for for three days that was an intense experience that um also was stressful and beautiful at the same time because i was in contact with a lot of people who um who were going through the same thing and we were really supporting each other and telling each other the kind of like the the ways we might be able to get through quicker and like you know there was a lot of um yeah i i, I think it's beautiful just seeing also on social media the community that's um, that's going on mm. could could you run your current business without social media I, i can't stop thinking how would any of you operate without instagram or facebook right now No, yeah, think, it would be tricky. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that um, I'm super grateful for is that we sort of had a basis that we could build on. Um, I talked about that with a lot of friends also from like not, not even the restaurant scene, but uh, for example, I don't know, trainers at sport or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really intense how businesses that didn't have a presence on social media that didn't have a direct line towards their customers um they weren't really able to communicate effectively the um i don't know ideas they wanted to put into place if they were going to deliver stuff or whatever they could do whatever they want, but they weren't able to communicate. So just having that channel uh, was worth so much. Um, and also just feeling wise to see it, the activity of everybody else, get inspired, get ideas from other people, um, help each other out. Um, that made for a completely different vibe during those first couple of week, uh, weeks, because it just made you feel like part of a community and part of that community figuring out together how to proceed somehow yeah yeah i definitely think the 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 seeing how people are doing is also very is just very important so seeing through instagram how how all of your your friends are coping selling the product and surviving it's also very heartwarming to know that people are just cracking on as quickly and as hardly as they as they possibly can how how is the conversation so this is all like a conversation with like whatever b2b contacts and also like end consumers um but how is the communication right now with the winemakers daisy you basically work only with natural wines apart you at viniculture you have like a big focus on natural wines and most of those winemakers are like small family-run businesses um how are they dealing with the situation can you tell a little bit about this 
Well, the, just, just from being at a winery, I'm seeing firsthand the struggle of how it is for, for the winemaker. And it's, it's, it breaks my heart, honestly. It's, it's very um, difficult to see someone who just doesn't have any way to, to sell. Um, no importers, nothing like no pallets are being put together. It's, it's a complete dry zone. And um, yeah, I've been with with Philip, um, yeah, for two months now. Like I said, and I, I built him a, an online shop so that he could start selling B two C within France to try to get him to at least have some money somewhere coming. But it's also you know it's not so easy just to build someone a website and then and then post it online and then think that loads of orders are going to come through it's actually something that you have to maintain and um you know people have to know who you are and i'd say that with the winemakers they're known outside of their own country basically with the export business um so yeah i mean just seeing now that he's uh, focusing more on on his work and being in the vineyard and in the cellar um, looking forward to this year's harvest, um, this year's vintage. And um, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I, for, for me, actually, I've decided that I wanted to um, buy the new wines that I had planned to do before all of this mm-hmm. um, because I had found a lot of new winemakers that I wanted to to represent. And I kept kind of still and quiet for a little while during this the first few weeks to see what was happening mm. and now I just I want to focus more on the online shop and I want to have new things to to sell and to offer to my customers so I'm starting to um, take a small selection from a few different winemakers and for them they're saying you know thank thank you so much you're, you're like you're really helping us right now mm. so I also feel like I'm able to play a role in helping them survive a little bit, which is nice. How's it at Viniculture, Paul? Um, well, I guess from, from the beginning, it was about very open communication, in to, like in all directions, because, um, for example, a lot of restaurants still had um, unpaid bills with us. So we directly went into communication with them and tried figuring out, okay, guys, we know you can't pay right now. Um, to But just to get talking how we are going to proceed. And we did the same with our producers. So um, we talked to them and told them, okay, look, we know what the situation is. Um, with a lot of these producers, we um, don't buy all the wines right away. We make fairly big reservations on certain wines. Um, I mean, these are tiny producers, so big reservations aren't a ton, like huge quantities of bottles, but um, for us, it's big quantities anyway. And um, we sort of pushed some of those back further further back in the year. Um, we stopped buying for a short period of time completely because we knew that sort of um, the producers that we had already bought from, um, those were bills that we'd have to pay eventually and at a lot lower income um, that we were, like turnover that we were making, we knew that if we kept buying, then we would sort of hit a wall at a certain point. Mm. Um, but after that, it was mostly like communicating very openly. We, we tried not to drop off the radar 
even in those first couple of weeks, we right away wrote emails to every producer, um, um, called a lot of them too, and tried to figure out, okay, how is your situation? Is it like, how urgent is it for you? Um, can we push the payments back? Um, or um, can we buy smaller amounts now? And I mean, basically it's, it just meant that for certain very small producers, we would still get the wines that we promised. Um, Jakob Tenstedt, for example, we really wanted to get the Carsten Saalwächter wines because I don't know, we also need wines that easily turn over right now and stuff like that is just really important for us to get people to our website and so it's it just makes sense to get the wines but sort of to distribute things the little bit of money that we had to people that needed it as well um, was really important but we could only find out who that was by talking to them hmm. you both yeah and it's it's no, go on. Go ahead. so I, I just i was just gonna say that it's like it's also being with the winemaker seeing how many outstanding bills he has from the importers that if all these people could pay him then he would be able to survive but of course everyone is um you know it's like this domino effect and these people can't pay him and then he's waiting but he's already shipped the wine to them so you know like technically it would be nice if you could even pay like half of the invoice just just to continue supporting because you never know like after this this is over um these people just might not even be able to continue operating. Yeah, definitely. And I, 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 what what producers told us that it was just really um, it, shitty that a lot of those people that, who still had outstanding bills, uh, they just sort of went dark for a while and they couldn't reach them. And I think that's mm. sort of the worst thing when you know, okay, fuck, I'm, I'm, I need to... <laughs> sort of get a little bit of cash flow in just to sort of keep my operations going and keep working. And then sort of the people you need for that uh, sort of are just off the grid. And I think that's... Yeah. 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 And then you show, somehow show, I mean, this, I guess this also shows true, true partnerships in the end with who's yeah. kind of there and who's there to support. And yeah. yeah, that's true. Do you think that politics have fully understood the complexity of your business i mean there are many like support programs that are basically targeting all industries but i think it's obvious that the gastronomy and the food industry um, are facing some very particular challenges and some of them are what you just told us that like every restaurant has like an ecosystem of suppliers and farmers around them and they also have like even more connection to other people's do do you f feel that there is a sense of understanding of how bad and how complex this is or do you miss any kind of support there um, i think that i don't think there is a complete sense of the complexity but i don't expect that either um because um I don't know, we, we need to keep in mind that the society in total is sort of uh, like a, a multiplication of that complexity a thousandfold. So they can't actually sort of understand every little part of, um, of it 
at once and sort of react accordingly in the crisis. Mm. Um, I feel like uh, compared to a lot of other countries, the support was very fast, um, especially, I don't know, for self-employed people and stuff like that. Um, I, on the other hand, think that now or for the last couple of weeks and going forward, now is the time that politics needs to sort of catch up mm. and figure out where the helps that have been put into place um, sort of fail in the mid midrun. Mm. Um, and I think especially sort of restaurants um, aren't normal businesses in the way they're run. Um, mm. And I think that um, pretty fast we need to figure out or politics needs to figure out how to address the particular problems of restaurants and sort of everybody that um, follows behind them in, in the supply chain. Mm. I think, yeah, that's yeah. something for, for now. Yeah. Daisy, since you're staying with a winemaker in France, is there like any support like this, what we're having in Germany for, for a winemaker in France? some thing they can apply for minimal minimal it's uh it's embarrassing to be honest i feel very i feel very privileged to be a part of the german um yeah the german society of being able to be helped by by the government there because in france they really it's it's shocking how little support they receive And um, France went hard on on the lockdown. It's uh, it's it's pretty intense here, to be honest. Um, so not like nothing is open, and really, it's just going to the supermarkets and only leaving around your house just one kilometer away. And mm -hmm. you need to carry a piece of paper with you, and to tell you kind of in order to if the police stop you, you have to tell them where you're going and what you're doing. Um, so yeah, it's really speaking with with Philip, with the winemaker. He's just uh, uh, he's he's shocked to know the support that's being given in Germany compared to France, and it's yeah, it's quite sad. And in terms of the um, with the restaurants, I think it's something that is not having enough attention because um, they have so many like you said they have so many suppliers and so many things that they need to pay for in order to just operate and even by doing these being open during the day and doing these lunches these takeout lunches they still have to pay you know for for just being open and to to still pay for their suppliers there's so much that, that they need i think this is you know i think it was today that, that you that the that germany were opening up shops that were about 800 square meters um yeah. but for restaurants nothing is nothing is being spoken of and i think that's the the scary thing is that there also for the restaurants there is no end end you know there's no end to this they don't they just keep running but they don't actually have a, fi a finish line and i don't feel like enough is being spoken of or actively done to support these small restaurants because mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, we 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 need these guys. This is this is this should be our priority now to focus on 
on small independent restaurants. Yeah, we all do. Um, you, you mentioned, and that's totally right, that it's somehow unforeseeable um, when we um, when we go back, like not to normal, but when let's say like the next period will start. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you of how like the future of wine drinking might look like because I cannot stop thinking about like a summer year in a restaurant wearing a face mask. I think about like all the the spitting buckets uh, and wine tastings. I think about all like the, the big wine fairs. So so wine is first of all a very emotional product like, like people love to gather about uh, around wine and talk about it but it's also like a um, it's a people's business, right? Like the connection with the winemaker, the people who drink the wine. And it looks like that all these things won't be possible probably until the end of the year. So do you have any idea what wine drinking will be like in the next couple of months other than ordering a box of wine and have it at home on my balcony? It's all virtual. It's all virtual wine tastings i've been seeing i've been seeing some um some psalms who are just every every week doing something on on orange wine and opening bottles and talking as if they were standing with customers at the at the table um so maybe maybe this time now for people in the wine industry is more about educating and training the consumer and having more time to spend with that, which I think is also quite quite nice, quite positive, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are drinking, especially in the natural wine industry, drinking drinking wine and not really knowing what the difference is. Mm. And um, kind of, I think spending a bit more time going into detail and um, yeah, doing virtual tastings is, is, is really nice. I'm doing one on Friday actually at the, at the winery and had some nice, some nice um, feedback that people are really excited to kind of be sitting just in their living room, but to somehow be in a foreign country somewhere and mm. and see something that's happening other than their kind of day-to-day -day normality at the moment. Well, you're also doing like a virtual tasting on Saturday, right? With Uni Couture? Um, yeah, we're doing one with Ismail Gonzalo of Microbio. Um, and it's our first experience doing that um, it feels a bit like being late to the party <laughs> uh, because we've been seeing so many people doing Instagram live or um, zoom tastings in different kind of settings whether it's sort of um, pay in advance a select group uh, 12 people and less um, and sort of a very private feeling to it or these very public kind of events where you have a ton of people watching and some of them are tasting along and some some aren't and um, I don't know I'm still very new to that whole thing I'm not yet used to the vibe of it a um, virtual life yeah it feels weird um, my my mom's birthday was recently and we did we ordered like the, the noble heart bar i uh, know actually the mrs robinson's uh, box and so they cooked it at their place i cooked it at my place because uh, um i can't go visit them 
Um, and we sort of cook together via uh, Skype and uh, they placed the laptop on, on the table and I was sort of with them uh, during the dinner. Um, and I, yeah, uh, I had a friend from work over um, because we were in contact anyway and um, it felt weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, a lot of it kind of works and it's new experiences and it's cool because they're new. Um, a lot of it feels improvised. Um, it's not yet sort of, uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't yet completely work, but it's fun that it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I, I guess we'll see a lot more of that. Yeah, and right here, the recording of the podcast somehow stopped. Bummer. You missed the last question that I had for Daisy and Paul. I was asking them if they ever considered quitting the wine import business in recent weeks and days, um, and they both said no. Um, that kind of made me very happy because I think what you could witness like in this podcast, but also like in the episode before that I did with uh, Baldon Restaurant, there's quite a lot of like positive and good energy out there in this industry. Um, people try to do the best they can. Um, and I think, yeah, it's uh, insanely important to support them in whatever way we can, like either by drinking wine or by ordering food. Um, if you're not so much into drinking and not so much into eating, well, I guess that's very unlikely that you listen to this podcast if that's the case. But if you're on some sort of crazy diet, um, just be vocal about the situation. Uh, if you cannot give money, if you are not able or willing to, to eat and drink, um, talk about the situation like with your colleagues, with your friends and your family. I have to say, um, we still have to educate people out there about how this industry works, about the domino effect. Um, Daisy and Paul were just talking about um, it affects a lot of like small and independent businesses, f businesses that are like operated by families for decades, etc. Those are people who who dedicate like sometimes their entire life like in creating and building a company. Um, they are very passionate about what they are doing, and yeah, some of them right now um, are really really struggling. So whatever you are able and willing to do please do so um, follow your favorite restaurants and in this case wine importers wine shops on instagram give them a shout out give them some love um, everything matters everything is helpful um, stay safe there will be a new podcast episode very soon you are listening to staff meal the world's first podcast about staff meals 